um, communion time. And uh, want to, um, maybe we'll push a song back and we'll go into the sermon. I'm getting a thun- thumbs up uh, from back there. Um, so let's, let's turn to God's Word. If you want to follow in your Bible, we'll start off in Proverbs chapter 3. And uh, then I've got a couple of, couple of other uh, portions we'll look at, but uh, Proverbs chapter 3. Hope you had a, a good week, and uh, I know yesterday some of us um, were at the men's breakfast yesterday. That was a great time together, hearing about a, uh, an exciting ministry in Uganda, and um, that we'll have another chance to connect with the men from uh, Wildwood Church, uh, they put on a good breakfast for us this month, so we'll, we'll have to return the favor next month. It's our turn. It's neat to partner with them for that. So I uh, hope you found Proverbs chapter 3, and we'll be looking at the last um, uh, few verses of this chapter as we're wrapping up today. Uh, Winston Churchill uh, loved paraprostodokians. I think I've said that correctly. Paraprostokians, and these are figures of speech in which the latter part of the phrase is kind of surprising or unexpected. I'm going to give you a few examples, but I've given quite a list in the Digging Deeper on uh, our website, so if you want to check it out, we've got it there. Uh, For example, have you heard this phrase, where there's a will, I want to be in it. Um, The last thing I want to do is hurt you, but it's still on my list. Um, since light travels faster than sound, some people appear bright until you hear them speak. I like, I I really like this one. I hope I won't use this on you. I'm sorry if I, if I do. If I agreed with you, we'd both be wrong. Um, war does not determine who is right, only who is left. Now, that's surprising, but it's also distressing because, of course, we know that war and conflict um, in, in, in which, you know, really shaped Churchill's life. We probably, you know, what would we know of Churchill uh, if he wasn't, um, you know, one of the champions coming out of Second World War, although with his personality, I think we still would, we still would have been acquainted with him as a historical figure. But um, we are in this season, aren't we, especially as we get into the next week or two where we do reflect on peace, what peace is relative to warfare, and um, this phrase is, is pretty telling, war does not determine who is right, only who is left. Now, we're not going to talk about war today, but I want to address the issue of peace as we wrap up our series on the way of wisdom. I've been looking through Proverbs chapter 3 uh, in, in quite a detailed way, and that, as I've explained to you, was very intentional, so as not to just grab, um, you know, some of the familiar verses, like verses 5 and 6, which are, are powerful and encouraging, but to look at all of the aspects of living in God's wisdom, different wise ways. And we've got a list for you of those, uh, the eight, or pardon me, the nine, now there should be nine on there, that we've gone through so far. And I'm just a little bit curious, uh, just, just quickly, um, are there any that were of particular interest to you? Any of these themes that you felt were very timely for us? 
And then, and, you know, you could be super spiritual and say, well, all of them, you know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and was there any, you know, that said, well, I, you know, that, that one really challenged me. Like, for me personally, the discernment. You know, I often, I'll often use that word, oh, you know, I need some time to discern. It, it, I want to put off taking, making a tough decision because I don't know what to do, right? But, but I'll sometimes use that word discernment. Um, any else that stood out to you? You know, again, which one of your children do you like more, right? These are all important, but I was just curious if any really popped for anyone. No? Trust? Okay. Good. Uh, okay. Humility. Okay. Yeah, uh, I've, I've just appreciated seeing so much truth packed into the book of Proverbs. Now, God's wisdom, we said at the outset, it's not just a pragmatic thing. It's not, it's not just something that will make life easier. It's not uh, either um, just a philosophical wrangling about ideas. Um, I also said at the outset, it's not patriarchal. I was trying to think of people who would say, well, you know, my mentor or my guru or, or this ancient philosopher said this, and so I just grab on to that, and that's what I'm excited about. Uh, wisdom is uh, quite a bit more than that. In the Proverbs, we really see God's wisdom as a uh, concentrated instruction for all of uh, our lives, and it's personal. It's very personal because wisdom is about living in Christ. At the outset, I shared from Colossians chapter 2, uh, verse 3, how um, our life in Christ, He is our wisdom and He is our life. And uh, we also looked at the fact that the word uh, in Hebrew for wisdom has this idea of skill, and so as Alan Ross suggests in his commentary on, on Proverbs, we could think of wisdom as moral skillfulness. I do like, I do like that expression of it. Let's, let's go then to uh, Proverbs 3, and we're beginning at verse 29, and we'll finish off uh, through verse 35. Let me just read that for us. Uh, Do not plot harm against your neighbor who lives trustfully near you. Do not accuse a man for no reason when he has done you no harm. Do not envy a violent man or choose any of his ways, for the Lord detests a perverse man but takes the upright into his confidence. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the righteous. He mocks proud mockers, but gives grace to the humble. The wise inherit honor, but fools he holds up to shame. So what's the wisdom that we have for our lives here? What's the moral uh, skillfulness that we see in this passage? And the, the key truth that I think is coming out of this section is uh, that of peace. What does this uh, passage tell us about peace? And I think it, um, we, we, could, we could organize our thoughts in, in a number of different ways, but I've just got two um, categories here for our thinking through these verses. And the first is the possibility uh, of peace in our lives, and then I think the last part deals with the practicality of it. It's, um, it's good to think of the possibility of living as a person of peace, but then what are some practical ramifications? We'll get to those. 
verses 29 through 31 uh, talk about really what is a kingdom quality. If we were to go uh, forward into the New Testament, look at Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, you remember the Beatitudes, probably you are already thinking, oh yes, Jesus called us as people of his kingdom to be peacemakers. Uh, Blessed, Jesus said, are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God, Matthew uh, chapter 5 and verse 9. How do we do that? What what is the possibility of this actually taking, taking hold in our lives? And in verses 29 to 31, I think there are three, uh, well, I don't think, you, you can see them, there are three negative commands. If you're reading from a King James Bible, you can see it very clearly, devise not, strive not, envy not. And so, you know, that could, that could be uh, a theme for your life, you know? But what does that mean um, in terms of living a life of peace? Because those are obviously negative commands, the things that we should not do. Admittedly, um, these are things uh, that have to do with the way we live with one another. But I I think that they really speak um, to who we are in our relationship with God because this is, I, I think, the evidence I think it's the outflow. Now, just in in case you're keeping careful track, we left off at verse 26 uh, last week, and now we're picking up at verse 29. And if you remember, we talked about, um, or actually it was Mike Mahorder when he visited, talked about verse 27, 28 when we dealt with um, generosity. So what makes peace uh, possible? Um, Let me... Uh, just give maybe a couple of descriptions here. First of all, verse 29, um, peaceful people have good rather than harmful intentions towards neighbors. One author I was reading said, this is about nurturing a community. So when we have a peace relationship with God, when he is working a life of peace into our lives, we're, we care about our community. We care about uh, our intentions towards people, not just our actions. Have you ever heard someone say, I, I judge, I judge um, myself by my intentions, but I judge others by their actions, right? Uh, we, we need to think deeper than just how do we act. What, what is our intention towards other people? Peaceful people, if we're living in peace with God and and he's making us to be a a peacemaker, uh, we'll have caring and kind interactions with other people. Now, the context is probably to do with some kind of litigation. Verse 30, don't accuse a man. So that sounds like that could be um, a court case. And um, verse 30, the second part says, especially when he's done you no harm. So um, no groundless litigation but I think it's not just in a courtroom, which is a confrontational environment, of course, but it's um, over the fence. It's uh, uh, on uh, the, the street corner. It's in our interactions with, with people in our community, say, uh, in, in, in the store. Uh, perhaps the most telling is, for me, is how do I interact when I, I get one of those calls? Hi, this is Shaw, or hello, this is Tellus, right? Or, um, or the opposite, I have to call some kind of service provider 
And, um, you know, I, I, I wish you could choose the music on those phone calls, don't you? I wish you could, in, you know, have a selection. Um, so our the way we interact with other people, that's, it reveals whether we're a person of peace. And then another um, aspect is quite, quite telling, is verse 31 says very clearly, don't envy a violent man. We must resist the urge to, to idolize those who uh, get away with murder. Now, if we were to flip back, back to Psalm 73, I, I, I don't know where you go with your feelings of frustration of others who seem to do wrong and yet succeed. Have you ever felt that kind of frustration? Uh, the person uh, uh, identified in Psalm 73 really testifies about that struggle. Um, verse 1, this is Psalm 73, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart, but as for me, my feet almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. Interesting. What is coming? What, what's the context of that? For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And that's a frustrating experience to be seeking, striving to please God and to see someone who seems to be getting away with murder, seems to be experiencing some advantage and yet they are not following God's uh, laws. Verse 17 of Psalm 73, um, things start to turn. Verse 16, 17, when I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me till I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their final destiny. And so um, our idolizing people who um, do wrong and prosper, and it might, might not be even a pure idolizing, it could just be a frustration that occurs when that's happening, then obviously we're not living uh, out God's peace. Is peace possible to live with good intentions and good interactions and not be idolizing those who get away with murder? For that, I think it really is important that we have a quick look at Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, Paul does take time to list both um, evidences that we're not living according to the Spirit and then evidences that we are. We know those, of course, as the fruit of the Spirit. Peace is one of those markers that we're walking according to the Spirit. But that, that is the issue if we're going to have the possibility of peace in our lives. Verse 16, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Paul goes on to outline in Galatians 5.19 some of those acts. And what I, what I found interesting, I was reviewing that this morning, what I found interesting is some of the things he mentions, you know, things like um, debauchery and idolatry and witchcraft, they're, they're really big and bad things, right? But then he also lists discord, jealousy, selfish ambition, those aren't big. We don't plaster those things on billboards, right? The biggies, the, the really sinful stuff, is obvious. It's out there. It's visible. It's in your face. But some of the in deep-seated things deep down in our hearts that we would never advertise, although discerning people will see it, but we wouldn't advertise it, it's in the same list. 
It's because it doesn't matter if it's big and bold and in your face or small and seemingly insignificant and hidden away. If it's not in keeping with the life of the Spirit, it's not in keeping with the life of the Spirit, right? And the goal uh, of the Spirit being present in our life is not just to, you know, give us warm fuzzies at a worship service, though I hope that happens as well, um, but it is to produce a, 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 an, an absolutely um, contrasting lifestyle, and, and Paul describes it as a fruitfulness, and so there's all these wonderful features like patience and goodness and faithfulness, and of course, peace is part of that. So peace is possible because of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And it is, it is not something I would suggest that we work up by just stopping the bad stuff, but it's actually a transformative process where the Holy Spirit is getting more and more possession of our hearts. Our, look at these things we saw from, from Proverbs 3, our, our intentions, our interactions, how whether we idolize those getting away with murder. Those are core and very basic issues in our lives. So that's the possibility of living with peace. But I think the rest of the chapter deals with some of the practicality. Um, we might say, um, uh, you know, we've, I, I think I've probably shared before that little ditty, um, to live above with the saints we love, oh, that will be glory. To live below with the saints we know, that's a different story. And, um, you know, to have this, this noble aspiration after peaceful life, that, that, that's, that's great. It's uplifting. But uh, I got to go home after this service, and I got to talk to my neighbor tomorrow about this, and I've got to go to work. And so what are some of the practicalities that we do face? And I think um, Proverbs, being such a practical book, doesn't shy away from those things. You know, at the start of the series, I suggested we could, we could look at the difference between Psalms and Proverbs. You know, some of the big, big differences. Uh, for example, Psalms, as you would well imagine, is more like a song book, like a worship or hymn book, whereas Proverbs is more like a, a guidebook. Uh, the book of Psalms tends to, not only, but tends to focus on how we worship God, how we come into God's presence and that. And then Proverbs really uh, takes that life and says, okay, now how do you interact with your neighbor? How do you interact with your family, your co-worker? So once a person is at peace with God and seeking to live out that peace, uh, bearing the fruit of peace in our lives, we, I think we can expect to find at least four challenges. So the first, and there's one perverse here for the, um, uh, for the last four verses. Verse 32, the Lord detests a perverse man but takes the upright into his confidence. I see here the issue of relationship. There's going to be a difference or there's going to be a challenge out there when we have an, uh, a, a growing, more, hopefully more intimate relationship with God and others are at a distance from God. And there's going to be a challenge. It uh, peace still needs to be present in our lives, but it won't necessarily be a peace that's replicated in someone else's life. Um, our relationship with God might therefore be uh, resented or, or, um, or uh, uh, mocked. 
So we have, uh, we should expect, even though we're living at peace with God, in the area of this kind of relationship that we have with Him, it's going to be an area of potential uh, conflict in our society. Verse 33, I think this has to do with the reward. Um, Essentially, we're reading that, you know, if you're walking with God, there's blessing. If you're not walking with God, there's cursing. And sometimes we might say, well, that's what the Bible says, but it seems like it's actually the opposite. Uh, I feel like I'm, I'm oppressed as I follow God in this world, and it seems like that person is blessed. But we also obviously need to look at the larger picture and see uh, the end of the story, uh, namely eternity, and the reward, the ultimate reward coming to those who are following God. But there will be some practical challenges there as uh, we seek to walk into the blessing of God. Uh, this idea of redemption, um, uh, some are going to be uh, 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 rejecting and um, not experiencing the redemptive work of God in their lives, and it will, it will show. It will show in how they relate to us, and yet God gives grace to the needy. We'll have a personal experience of the grace of God. Also in the area of reputation, um, it says here, the wise will inherit honor, but fools increase dishonor. Again, on the surface or initially or for a time, it might seem the opposite, and yet at the end of the day, um, the honor that God brings to our lives will, will come as we walk with him, as we're faithful. And I wonder if we're struggling to see how to live peacefully in such a tense and divisive time. Uh, if you're like me, I, I've been wrestling with some of the um, fractured nature of our society today. And it's not all about COVID. I mean, certainly COVID conditions contribute immensely to that. But there are many, many issues in our society uh, that bring uh, a sense of conflict and we must be careful not to shrink back from living as peacemakers. One of the things that really strikes me in this day and age, you'll, you'll hear a story about someone who's being physically attacked, and you'll hear that no, no one present on that train platform or where, wherever it, where it occurred actually came to the aid of the person. What did they do? Take out their phone and, and record it, right? And we might be aghast at that. How could someone not be a peacemaker in that desperate, uh, terribly desperate, uh, urgent situation? And yet, I would say every day, every day with um, my wife, with my neighbors, with people I'm encountering, I have an opportunity to live in, in peace. And the question is, am I, am I doing that? Am I living out the peace that God wants to work in my life. Peace is not just uh, getting away from conflict, but it is living out the life of God uh, with people around us. I want to um, encourage you to check out Digging Deeper because I've got notes there, uh, and I, I'm going to make a, uh, a few quotes here in a moment, but the fuller information's on Digging Deeper for you if you want to uh, pursue that. How do we draw uh, our thoughts about this whole chapter to a close? Well, um, let, let's focus a little bit on, on peace as we close off here, but just to say uh, something from Adam Grant, who 
you may have encountered, uh, I've listened to some of his podcasts, he's an organizational psychologist, I know for all of us, probably pretty much everyone here, our greatest heroes are organizational psychologists, right? At least Pat's, I know that's true for Pat, but, um, but Adam Grant addresses um, things which bring purpose and meaning to the life of work. And I, although I don't think in, he's a believer, he makes some very uh, powerful comments, one of which stood out to me. He said, we listen too much to people who think fast and shallow, and too little to people who think slow and deep. Never mind the grammar there. This is still good. Being quick on their feet may make them sound smart, but it doesn't mean they're wise. Would you agree? I think that's the message of Proverbs I, in, in, in some way. I think in Proverbs, we've got these comments and we say, well, that, doesn't, that doesn't sound very quick on its feet. That, that sounds a little archaic, actually. It, it doesn't sound like my everyday experience, but Proverbs is thinking slow and deep. And God is inviting us, as we look through the book of Proverbs, to think deeper than some of the quick, superficial ways we try to solve problems uh, in our lives. Uh, God's wisdom may not, might not even sound quick on its feet, if you will. I've had that experience. I've read, I've read a passage. Um, let me be precise. Um, um, Verse 35, Proverbs 3, the wise inherit honor, but fools he holds up to shame. And sometimes I do feel like it's opposite to what it says there. But if we think deeper and a bigger perspective of what God is doing in all of eternity, then we realize this is, this is wisdom that we can build our lives on. I, I, I hope we have chosen as we've been going through this passage to, to live on the slow and deep truths of Proverbs. I want to just quickly uh, give you four other thoughts as it relates to how, how do we live out peace. And here's where I'll just give you a snippet, and then if you want to explore it further, you can go on digging deeper. Uh, first comment, we need to be saved and also sanctified. Not just saved, but sanctified. So if peace is not just the cessation of hostilities, if our... Um, being an enemy of God was solved by Jesus, that's just the beginning. Uh, peace needs to be maintained and nurtured in our lives. We celebrated the establishment of peace uh, between us and God through the shedding of Jesus' blood and his broken body. I read from Romans 5, 1 and 2, but just going on to some further verses in that passage, Paul wrote this, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. So think uh, nurture. Think the ongoing sanctifying work. Uh, think not only saved by Christ's death, but by his life, which means an ongoing growing experience in him. 
Uh, so not just saved, but sanctified. That has very much to do with peace. Uh, I'll call this next the storm before the calm. We might be at peace with God. We might even be seeking to live out that peace with others, but there will be conflict. And that is because people will be offended by the gospel. Dan Allender and uh, Tremper Longman write about this in their book called uh, Bold Love. And I think they explain it well. It is possible to live for apparently noble purposes without bearing defense of the cross. One can be appropriately moral and sensitive to others for no other reason than it makes life more simple and easier to bear. A moral life, however, is intended to be more than pragmatic. So they've hit on that point that I was making earlier. Proverbs isn't just, oh, how can I get through life eat more easily with less conflict? Um, Proverbs is, is not just a, a wonderful uh, a synthetic um, lubricant to make life simple. It, it, it's deep truth. It's the gospel. And... Uh, uh, Longman and Allender go on to say the gospel offends. It strikes at the heart of man's arrogance and rage. It demands a response of brokenness or evokes mockery and contempt. The, go the gospel does not settle for good moral living. It requires radical transformation of the heart. In that sense, the calling of every Christian is to, be, is to prophetically live out a disruptive goodness that embraces foolishness before the wise and weakness before the strong. I like that little phrase, a disruptive goodness. So simply to say, uh, just because we have um, someone who is offended by the message of the gospel doesn't suggest that we're not living as peaceful people. They are reacting not to us, but to the gospel message that is calling them out of their sinfulness. So the storm before the calm. Another um, topic or another theme that I just wanted to touch on quickly, I mentioned last week that I'd say something about Halloween, to trick or to treat. Always an interesting question. How do we deal with this uh, festivity in our culture? And uh, I, I simply relate it to peace in the sense that I, I think that uh, there are, um, unlike uh, others, I think there's no other um, festivity in our culture today that has had this drastic morphing. You know, it started out in ancient pagan ritual, then it became traditional, then it kind of was sort of cultural. I even hesitate to say it was cultural when I was a kid, although that is um, half a century ago now. Um, and then now I've been seeing how it gets driven by commercialism, which is turned into a multi-million dollar industry. Now, I think uh, you don't need me to tell you that living at peace with God means standing against secularism, and so we're not out to celebrate evil at Halloween. But there's also the, the difficulty, or the, the very quagmire, I'll call it, very technical theological term, quagmire, uh, that how do we... Uh, negotiate it, uh, this festivity, when we clearly don't want to celebrate evil, but we also don't want to trivialize evil. One of the, the simple things that has, or simple, one of the points 
that has really stood out to me in the last couple of years is the uh, erecting of um, tombstones. And I even walked on the prayer walk, not this week, but the previous week when we were all doing the prayer walking in our community. I walked down one street and someone had some um, raised beds for uh, probably for vegetables in the summer and three or four of them on the front lawn and they had been turned into um, graves and um, broken limbs and, and different uh, things were sticking out of that. So I would suggest that that kind of thing that we see is a trivializing of evil uh, at, at minimum, if not actually celebrating evil. And there seems to be a culture of death that's around us. I would say that at best, it's nihilism is what we're seeing in our culture. At best, nihilism is, in this, is this idea that when you die, that's the end. There's nothing more. And so um, a nihilist uh, might celebrate death in a, a mocking, trivializing way because it holds no, neither good nor bad for them after one is gone. And so I just encourage you to think about that. Uh, I've got a, a reference to an article from Christian Research Institute. And let me just say uh, the last um, uh, part of that um, as they give some historical perspective. They say, All Hallows' Eve, um, from which the word Halloween is derived, which you know, um, was an attempt, an overt attempt on the part of Christianity to overwhelm the tradition of ghouls with the truth of the gospel. Now, this packet that we have for you today might seem rather insignificant, but I don't really think it's about this package, you know. Now, um, Obviously, God's Word is in here, the Gospel of John, but really what this package is designed is it's just a tool for you to keep connecting with, you know, a neighbor or co-worker or someone in your extended family. It's just a tool. We're not relying on, you know, this candy. Oh, Maynard's, that's kind of good. Um, uh, we're not relying on that. It's a tool to show, like when, when we go across the street in our uh, complex today um, and talk to the neighbors, uh, it's an attempt to continue to build relationship. I would, I would dearly love for next week people to come back and say, I had one amazing conversation because I said, here's, here's something special for your family with your kids. Oh, and there's a welcome to our church. And it is a simple but not, not power, you know, it's not a power move. It's not, um, we're not going to picket uh, Halloween. We're going to seek by um, being relationally and redemptively present in the lives of our neighbors to overwhelm the tradition of ghouls and other things with the truth of the gospel. So it really is a challenge for us. It's easy, I actually, I actually have a plan if, I, if, if everything works out uh, this afternoon and early evening, uh, we'll be in Vancouver sitting watching the sunset at, um, at uh, Spanish Banks. That's my plan, so, we don't have, so I don't have to take trips to the door. Um, you know, we're just going to pull the plug. But that, that's, I'm, that's not doing anything to overcome uh, the, the, the negativity of Halloween. Um, what, where we'll be involved in that is we'll seek to have redemptive conversations with our neighbor.
The last thing, analyzing anxiety, just to say quickly, uh, I think um, we all know that storms, storms come into our lives une unexpectedly. This past week, we experienced a, a bomb cyclone that was created by a low-pressure system, which in intensifies by rapidly dropping more than 24 millibars in pressure in less than 20 hours. And that was uh, awfully windy uh, time, and, and we've seen the impact of that. But personal storms come into our lives, and I simply want to say I think we need to be uh, always um, careful not to see um, a, a, uh, anxiety and um, trauma and, and depression, some things which are part of a struggle of mental illness, and not to say, oh, that person is out of a relationship with God. Someone might be in a deep a relationship with God, but there might be other anxieties and things they're dealing with, and we want to walk with them, encourage them, and not make them feel that automatically it's a spiritual issue. There may be other things uh, at, 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 at work there as well. So let's, uh, let's uh, pray. I'm going to invite uh, David to come with our uh, closing song and our closing benediction, if that's good. But let me just pray and ask God to, to help us with these things that we've talked about today. Lord, we, we thank you. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you're the author of peace. And so whether it's, you know, how do we live out that peace on a Halloween night or, or how do we um, live as people of peace in a, in a disruptive, hostile work environment or any number of situations, we're asking that you would help us uh, to be people who, first and foremost, uh, live at peace with you, God, um, and grow in that, but then uh, extend that peace out to others in, in the way we relate. I pray uh, your blessing on the Word of God as it goes out in these uh, little packages, and that um, it won't just be about the package, but it will be uh, just another opportunity to show love, care, uh, show the um, peace of Christ uh, to our community in uh, one at a time. And um, one family at a time, one neighbor at a time, we just pray in Jesus' name. Amen.